Becoming the Channel explores the transformational power of wealth consciousness and offers a pathway to spiritual growth, business development, and leadership, especially for wayshowers, thought leaders, and messengers. I'm Dr. Robin McKay, your host. I'm an award-winning psychologist and author, advisor to CEOs, leaders, and spiritual entrepreneurs. And I've been a clear intuitive channel since I was a little kid. Through conversations with leading experts, thought leaders, and everyday people who have found success in their respective endeavors, Becoming the Channel offers us a platform where we can explore what it takes to connect with, receive, hold, and transmit wealth consciousness for prosperity on all levels. This is the first step in a journey of many, and I am so excited to share it all with you. Be sure to follow us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts to stay up to date on new episodes and special content. And now, on with the show. Welcome back to the podcast. Today is really important topic that I'm going to dive into with you. It's the question that I often encounter in my work as a former psychologist who has turned her attention to the coaching space. And it's something I talk a lot with my colleagues about as well as how do you tease out what are spiritual gifts versus what are kind of garden variety mental health issues. And this topic has become kind of viral actually on places like TikTok, where there are some people who are saying that you're not, you don't have mental illness, you actually have spiritual gifts and so on. And I've got a, I've got a take on that, a perspective on that, that I want to share with you today. So we're going to get into that in just a second, but before we do, I just want to share with you one of my favorite wealth consciousness activities is to create cash infusions for my clients. It's so much fun to do. And The reason that I love doing that is because I've been able to do that for myself for years and years. In fact, I remember when I was first starting my business and the the goal or the the milestone for beginning entrepreneurs was to create 10K months. And I had been working with my coach for probably at that point, four months or so, and I still hadn't cracked the code on the 10K month. And one day I said that to her and we did what amounted to a cash infusion process. And within about, I'm gonna say maybe a week, I had generated, I'll say $11,000 in new sales. It was really cool. And that's when I started learning the power of these cash infusions. So over the years, I've been able to do that with a lot of consistency. And this is in addition to, of course, creating consistent income in your business, but having those pops of cash infusions are just a lot of fun. So I was inspired today to open up some new one month intensives for established business owners like you who are spiritual entrepreneurs, you have an offer that you've already been able to sell and you really are craving some new money coming into your business for whatever reason. It can't be because you need to pay your rent or something like that. It has to be much more expansive than that for you. So if that's you, I'm going to put all the details in the show notes so you can check that out. And if you want to get in on that, I want you to set up a call to talk with me about that. You can go to drrobinmckay.com forward slash call. We'll have a quick conversation. And um, if I feel like I can support you in that, if I feel like you're a great candidate for a cash infusion intensive with me, let's do it. So I'm looking forward to hearing from you. 
All right, let's dive in. What's the topic? The topic is how do you tell the difference between spiritual gifts and mental mental health issues? I want to give you some context here. You have heard me say, if you've been in my world for any period of time, that I've been a clear channel since I was a little kid. I've always been intuitive, always been telepathic. My whole, my family has telepathic conversations to this day, and it just was sort of one of those ordinary things that we did. It wasn't until I was older that I began to understand that this was sort of a unique gift in the world. And actually began to really understand and take responsibility for my spiritual gifts, my gift of intuition, my gift of clairvoyance, being able to see clearly the possibilities of the future, being able to feel. I'm a hyper empath, meaning that I feel everything. I feel my stuff. I feel your stuff. I feel the world's stuff. And I had to learn how to create energetic boundaries in order to protect my energy so that I could do my best work and not get overwhelmed by the flood of emotions from, from all y'all, not to mention the what's going on in the world stage as well. So being a hyper empath, being an intuitive, being somebody who is spiritually intelligent has really given me some perspective on this issue of the difference between spiritual gifts and mental health issues. And one of the reasons that has been the case is because I personally have had diagnoses in the past and have had some mental health stuff going on for me that, um, that I had to deal with. And in recent years, that is very much dissipated, but there was a period in my, well, I always ran a little bit anxious. I'll start there from the time. I think when I changed schools, when I was in seventh grade, I had to start at a new school. I think that was really when I started noticing the anxiety. I remember laying on the couch before I had to go to school on the first day at my new school and my tummy hurt. And I did a lot of somaticizing of symptoms. I didn't know that that was anxiety, but you know, obviously now that I'm an adult human and have a PhD in psychology, I can confidently say that anxiety was one of my greatest challenges when I was a kid, the anxiety would come through in terms of my performance as well. So if I had, if I felt like everybody's eyes were on me, everyone was watching me, I had a really hard time staying focused on my performance, whether it was a sports performance or a music performance. And I, I would really, I was kind of the kid who um, had all this potential, but didn't always fulfill it on stage because I got so nervous. Then later, as an, a young adult, when I was in undergrad, I contracted mononucleosis. So I had some immune system stuff going on. Uh, my, my parents started getting divorced. So I had some psychosocial stuff going on and all of this contributed to additional symptoms of anxiety and depression, as well as, and I didn't even bring in the ADHD yet, but looking back on my life, I also know that I had an ADHD brain from the time I was a little kid as well, primarily inattentive type. So I was more of a daydreamer than I was, uh, had any of the hyperactive symptoms. As an adult, my symptoms of anxiety would keep me awake at night so I could go to sleep, but I would wake up about two in the morning and my thoughts would just be spinning and spinning and spinning and I couldn't get back to sleep. Um, I developed some emotional reactivity, especially in stressful situations that kind of got me into trouble sometimes at work because I didn't know how to regulate 
to self-regulate. So finally, when I was like, I'll say like I was 28, I had a colleague come to me before work one day and she said, Robin, you're depressed. You don't have to feel this way. And she encouraged me to go get on a medication. And at the time, and first of all, I was so relieved to have a name for what I was feeling because I really was, I was sleeping a lot. Um, I was thinking, thinking, thinking. I was completely dysregulated. I didn't know what that was. All I knew is that I knew I wasn't performing my best and I knew that something was wrong with me even though I couldn't name it. So those were all definitely mental health issues that I was experiencing. I was still intuitive, but the mental health issues were creating even problems with my intuition because as a clairvoyant, as somebody who's highly imaginative, when I was running on anxiety, what would happen is that my clairvoyance would go and find the worst case scenario, the worst case possibility, and make up a big story about that, which would then increase the anxiety, increase my emotional reactivity, and create some drama in my life. And if not drama, at least a lot of sleepless nights. So for me, and I'm going to talk more generally, because whether you are somebody who is intuitive, a hyper empath, spiritually intelligent, psychic, what it fill in the blank. And you also have mental health stuff going on, or you're like me, you're a professional, you're trained in psychology or counseling, or you do therapy and you're wondering about this. I think it's a really important conversation to have around how do we tell the difference between a spiritual gift and a mental health issue. So I want to just go back into my story for just a second. I went to my doctor at, when I was 28 and I said, I think I'm depressed. And she put me on Prozac. That was the only thing available at the time. And almost immediately I started feeling better. Almost immediately I got out of the spin. So whatever was in the medication. And I know, listen, I know that there are a lot of problems with the pharmaceutical industry and with using medications, but at the time for me, that was the best thing that I could have done for myself is get on Prozac. So when I started feeling better, then I was able to start making some changes in my life and listen to my intuition. And my intuition had been screaming at me about things like get out of the job you're in. The job is really stressing you out. It's dangerous. I was working in a biosafety level three laboratory, which literally was um, filled with some deadly microorganisms sometimes. <clears throat> Even under the safest conditions, I was in a high risk scenario. A lot of my work life, I was driving to work 45 minutes one way in heavy traffic. My intuition screaming at me, find a different job, find a different way. My intuition was screaming at me. You need to go back to school. You need to get your doctorate. And I couldn't hear it because of all of the interference from the anxiety and the depression. So once I got the anxiety and the depression handled through the medication, then I was actually start, able to start listening to my intuition again. 
And it was then that I was able to make decisions about where I was going to be working and actually manifested out of the blue, a job at a pharmaceutical company or pharmaceutical adjacent company. And that was 15 minutes from my house and more money. So I got a raise, I got time back and my quality of life increased exponentially. So in this case that I'm trying to illustrate, I'm, what I'm saying is that I was intuitive all along. I knew that I was intuitive all along and I had this overlay of mental health issues, anxiety and depression specifically and I guess we could throw in kind of a subclinical eating disorder if we wanted to along with that. So there were some physical symptoms and mental and emotional symptoms that were creating interference for me to be able to listen to my intuition. So in that case, for me, were my mental health symptoms actually my spiritual gift? To me, the answer is no. What the mental health symptoms were doing was interfering with my ability to hear, to see, to know, to feel my spiritual gifts, to share my spiritual gifts. Okay. So when I have clients come to me, even now I work with spiritual entrepreneurs who are, you know, multi-six and seven figure earners. And those who are profoundly intuitive, who score very, very high on openness, on the neo-personality profile that I give, and it, by the way, if you haven't taken that, I recommend that you do. You can uh, just message me or schedule a, a call to talk with me about that, um, drrobinmckay.com forward slash call, and we'll figure out if taking the neo is right for you. But um, one of the things that with these multi-six and seven-figure entrepreneurs who are coming into me who are profoundly intuitive, one of their questions that they ask me, because of my background, because of my credentials, they'll ask me, am I crazy? Even though they're channeling, even though they're manifesting, even though they're teaching spiritual principles and practices, they still have an underlying question of, am I crazy? Now, I just talked about for me, the anxiety and the depression. What I didn't talk about were these other mental health issues that from a, from a lifespan perspective, from a, a well-being perspective are very, can be, can definitely interfere with well-being. So talking about bipolar disorder, talking about schizophrenia, talking about personality disorders. These are, these are experiences that some of the people in our community of light workers and light leaders have had in the past. So, I mean, think about it. If you're a teenager who's intuitive, who sees dead people, for example, and you are also in the throes of being a teenager and maybe you've got some bipolar symptoms. Maybe you're, you're in a manic episode and you happen to also, by the way, even when you're not in a manic episode, see dead people. 
and you go to the psychiatrist and you say, I see dead people and you're acting in a manic way and you're, you're having these <clears throat> out of the normal limits range of human behavior, the likelihood that you're going to get a diagnosis of bipolar disorder is pretty good because you meet the criteria of it. Does that mean that you don't have spiritual gifts? Of course not. But it does mean that the spiritual gifts are being disrupted by the physical body, by the hormones, by the biochemicals, by the way your brain is wired and is creating the circumstances where you're going to look, I'm going to use this word tongue in cheek, but you're going to look crazy to other people. The decisions that you're making may be out of the normal limits of what you would expect from a teenager, a young adult, or even a, a grown adult. So I hope you're getting the picture here that my take on, is it a spiritual gift or is it a mental illness? Is that the spiritual gifts exist in some of us. And when we look at the neo-personality profile, people who are spiritually gifted are going to score very high on openness to experiences. So they're gonna be highly imaginative. They're gonna feel things deeply. They're gonna have a sense of their own emotions and to feel the emotions of other people as well. They are going to be challenging the status quo. They're gonna be rocking boats and making waves and asking why. They're gonna be the disruptors in the world for sure. They're going to love learning. They're going to get hyper-focused on learning something and going down rabbit holes. They're going to have profound moments of intuition, of knowing things that other people don't know, of seeing things that other people cannot see, feeling things that other people may brush off as no big deal. So that's that openness factor of personality that from all of the, the research that I have done and all the experience that I have had over my time in the psychological world, I can say that I can predict with pretty solid certainty that if you score high on openness, you're going to have some spiritual gifts for sure. But here's the thing that happens is that some of us have a pretty hot, a, a nervous system that's wired hot. So we're gonna be more prone to anxiety, depression, angry hostility, impulsivity, sensitivity to stress, and even social anxiety. So when the nervous system is running hot, when you're experiencing symptoms of anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, even symptoms of mania, those exist in part in the physical body and in the nervous system. And when the physical body and the nervous system, meaning when I say physical body, I mean your hormones, your immune system, your gut biome, every aspect of your physical body, when that is interacting with a personality that is profoundly open to new experiences, that is profoundly intuitive, you're gonna run into some problems with interpreting the information that's coming through. You're gonna run into some problems with your impulsivity, with your decision-making. So, 
So I don't think it's an either or. I do think that it is multi-layered and complicated sometimes. And I do not think that we should be taking an all or nothing approach to supporting people who are spiritually intelligent or have spiritual gifts. And I do think, I actually think that the psychological community at this point does a pretty good job of understanding when somebody is having uh, like a, a when somebody is having hallucinations, for example, there is part of the part of the understanding of those hallucinations is does this vision make sense within the framework of the patients or the clients context for living worldview. So if I'm a charismatic Catholic and I'm having visions of the Archangel Michael, that makes sense. So I'm sharing this because I think it's important for us to look at as, as practitioners, as coaches, as even as clinicians to look at what we know about intuitive abilities, psychic gifts, spiritual gifts, and to look at what we know about mental health issues and be able to ask the question of somebody who is having visions or hearing things or knowing things or behaving in a strange way, are they only mentally ill or is there something else going on? Or is there a spiritual activation that's happening? Now, the example that I'll give is this to sort of illustrate this. I know somebody who has bipolar disorder. He's also pretty spiritually gifted. And there was a time that he was in, he has his bipolar disorder. So he was in a, a period of mania and he was telling this person, he was at a party late at night out in, out in the open field where they were having this gathering. And he was pointing out the Pleiades. And he said in a very strange, I, I understand this. I wasn't there with him. I, I heard the story secondhand, but he said the people he was with, he pointed to the Pleiades star cluster. And he said, that's where I'm from. And we have to look at context. If he had been with me, I would have been like, yeah, of course you're from, of course you have Pleiadian starseed energy with you. Of course you are. These people had no idea what he was talking about. He wasn't able to differentiate context. He wasn't able to manage his own energy enough to be able to recognize that if I say this thing to these people, they actually are going to think I'm crazy. On top of it, he was in a manic episode. So he was a little bit crazy. That's my non-clinical definition of it. But um, we have to, like when we are intuitive, when we are hyper-intuitive and we're going to be sharing information about what we know, what we see, what we experience, we have to know our audience. We have to know who we're talking to. And we cannot just share it with anybody. This is a boundary that we have to have. We have to have the discernment and the wisdom to be able to make the decision, is this person able to receive the information that I have? And if they are not, then I'm not going to share it. And if they are, then I will share it. If you've been listening to the Becoming the Channel podcast for a while now, you will have heard me talk to 
Elise Bassine about our experience in Palm Springs or Jennifer Longmore about her channeled experiences as well. I know my audience. I know that you all are awake. I know that you are ready to hear that. I know that it, even if you are ready to hear it, it can be kind of mind blowing at times. But when it comes to interacting with the mental health issues and the mental health system, we have to be very mindful about the information that we're sharing, who we're sharing it with. And this is why I think it's so important for those of us who are awake, who are trained in mental health support and transformation, that we have this information so that we can help our clients so that when somebody comes to you or comes to me and says, am I crazy? I have words and language to explain that maybe you did in the case of, if we go back to the case I was talking about with a, a teenager who can see dead people going into a psychiatrist with what looks like maybe a schizoaffective or a schizophrenic situation and prescribe some kind of medication to help with that. So that when we get there, I can say, well, under the, in this context, given these circumstances, we can understand why you might have received this specific diagnosis. And, and are you crazy right now? No. You know, and to be honest, there have been times when I probably looked crazy. There have been, and there may be for you too. There have probably been times when you've looked a little bit crazy. If your nervous system runs hot, and if you happen to be very open to new experiences, chances are quite good that to a clinical eye, to a clinician who is looking through the lens of the medical model, that you probably did look a little crazy. There are a couple of authors who have written about spiritual intelligence and mental health issues. Barb Kerr wrote Letters to the Medicine Man years ago. I think it came out in either 1999 or 2000-ish, somewhere in there. I think it's probably still in print. But she talks about how she had her spiritual awakening. And also, I don't think she ever labeled it as a well, she had some mental, mental health issues going on as well. She had some severe depression. She had some severe anxiety. She had a lot of stuff going on when she was going through her awakening process. And she had gone to a psychologist to help her move through the process of her awakening. She, was, she had been awakened in the Native American traditions. And so she was going through this whole pathway of awakening and, and stepping into her gifts through the, the Native American spirituality. And she came back to her psychologist, who is a Western psychologist, just like me. And she said, can I get on something? Can, I, can you put me on a medication? And he just, in her book, she says, he flat out told her, you, you don't get to walk this path and then go back to Western medicine. You, you chose this path, so walk this path and do the medicine that is available to you on this particular path. But I think so many of us toggle between the ascension path, the path into our future, into the new earth, and the 3D path, the medical model path. And we want these 3D, we get these 3D solutions to 5D or ascension problems like spiritual awakenings. 
when we have the support around us by people who understand what we are experiencing and can actually tease out, is this a mental health issue that actually requires 3D mental health support? Or is this an ascension issue that requires energetics, that requires a, a different approach to, or a different solution to the problem? Or is there a combination? That is the sweet spot. That's the sweet spot. It's not an either or at this point. There are going to be times, even on the ascension path, when it makes sense for somebody to look at a medical solution. But I do believe that the further along you get on the ascension path, the less likely it is that you will refer back to a medical model that no longer serves your mind, body, or spirit because your body has changed enough that the symptoms have alleviated themselves. I want to talk a little bit about some of the energetics of the symptoms that I've experienced for myself and some of the things I look at when I'm working with people. Um, one of the things that really supported my transformation, because I haven't been on medication for anxiety or depression for literally years, um, was the energetic clearing of deep-seated anxiety and deep-seated depression out of my field. And if you think about, if you've got just in your, in your bio field, coding for depression, anxiety, fear, trauma, that's going to then contribute to how the body is responding to stressors. Once those energetically, once for me, when those energetically were cleared from my system and they just dropped like flies from my system, suddenly I was so much lighter and the feeling of dread or the, the pit in my stomach or the thinking, thinking, thinking constantly that had accompanied me for so long in my life that I kept on just ignoring or masking because I could was just gone. And then I was able to just be alone between me and me, me and my higher self, me and my divine and eternal self to be able to hear my guides clearly to be able to see clearly what was possible for me, what was possible for my clients. And I didn't have the sense that the bottom's gonna drop out at any point. That completely left me. That was an energetic transformation. Now, do all people require energetic transformations? Well, quite frankly, probably yes. Are all people ready for them? Mm probably not. But those who are awake, those who are open to new experiences, as I've described by the Neo, the highly imaginative, clairsentient, claircognizant ones, the ones who feel everything. Yes, you're probably ready for it. You're probably ready for the energetic clearings to recalibrate the system so that you literally don't have to feel that way, so that you can have a clear channel to your own intuition. I wanna share a story. I was in grad school and I was on a, a practicum. I was at the VA hospital. So I became very good at identifying severe mental illness, schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder. I could, I could just pick it up like so easily. So I had gone to Starbucks on Mass Street in Lawrence, Kansas to get my morning cup of coffee. I think it was a Saturday morning. I was with my boyfriend at the time. 
I walk through the door and I open the door. And as I'm walking in, this woman, she's disheveled. She's carrying like a super target plastic bag and it's filled with just other plastic bags. And she looks a little crazy. I thought in my mind, I thought, well, she has schizophrenia. I didn't say it out loud. I just thought it as she walked by. Well, she got into the middle of Mass Street and she started screaming at me, you save your psychological diagnoses for somebody else. Well, the only person that should have heard my thought of she has schizophrenia was me, but this woman was telepathic. So I went to one of my friends who's, who's a spiritual therapist. She's highly intuitive. She was practicing at the time. And I said, Mari, I said, I told her the story. And she said, Robin, there's a fine line between being psychic and being psychotic. And she's right. And what I've come to realize it is the frequency and the clarity of the channel. It's a frequency that you're channeling and the clarity of the channel that makes the difference. So the woman at the Starbucks who's screaming at me to save my psychological assessments for somebody else, being telepathic, most likely being very, very psychic and intuitive, but also crazy because of the frequency that she was channeling, because of the, the vessel that was not clear, most likely because of trauma and who knows what else. I have no idea. I had a passing moment with her, but I reflect back on that because I think that what is happening in social media is that there's an oversimplification of this very important and brave experience that many intuitives have. And if you think about it, we can go back generations with this. Even Freud was working with women who were histrionic right? There's something wrong with you. I have a friend who um, had her grandmother and her aunt, I think, were put in an insane asylum. Were they crazy? They might have looked that way, but they might have also been under circumstances which distorted and disturbed their native intuition. Or maybe the powers that be just didn't like what they had to say. We don't know. We collectively have a lot of work to do around untangling the intersection of spiritual gifts and mental illness. We really do. Here are some simple things that we can do to start with. One is this. We Really, it is time to stop labeling our experiences, our intuitive experiences as crazy. We have to do that. It's so crazy. No, it's not actually. It is time to start normalizing our intuitive spiritual experiences, period. So any kind of that that kind of languaging around our intuitive experiences has got to shift effective immediately. And if you're saying about yourself, oh my God, it's so crazy that I knew that, or oh my God, it's so crazy that this happened. Stop it. Please stop it. Even using the word wild can connotate that it's not normal. But when we normalize our grounded spiritual experiences are grounded, energetic, 
miracles that we call in every single day, that's when things are going to start to shift, not just for you personally, but for all the people around you as well. For the people that you are meant to be serving, for the people in your life that you pass through every day, that you meet every day. So we have to stop labeling our spiritual experiences as crazy or wild or out of even anything that is some sort of negative connotation about it. That's so weird. That's another one. So weird. No, it's not. It's actually when you, when you label something as weird, typically it is, a it is an energetic or, or a spiritual experience. And the more comfortable people like you and I get with being able to describe our experiences in a very grounded way without discounting them. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Well, I do know how to explain it actually. It was energetic. It was a spiritual experience. It was an intuitive experience. It was my guides. I know exactly how to explain it. And when I do so in a grounded way, that is why I teach energetic shielding. I teach cutting cords. I get the people who work with me get crystal clear as channels. Their fields are clear so that the energy that comes through has an opportunity to amplify through a clear vessel, through a clear vessel. And that makes all the difference. So I have so much more to say on this and I would love to hear from you. If this is something that landed for you, please leave a comment, leave a review, share this podcast episode with your, your colleagues, your communities. This is an important topic. The intersection between mental illness and spiritual gifts, we've got to get it untangled and it starts here and it starts now. And I am here for it. Because I know that in the future, psychologists, counselors, therapists will still be required, but it will, they, we will be required because of the things that happen just as humans, the existential questions that we have. But in the future, at least the future that I'm creating, the severe mental illness will be viewed as a disconnection from source and a disconnection from self. And when that happens, we will know that we simply need to reconnect. But in the future, when you're fully connected with yourself and you are fully connected with, with source, this is when the garden variety anxieties, depressions, and even the traumas get bumped out very quickly. because of your strong connection with source and your strong connection with self. So that is all I have for today. I'm so glad that you are here with me. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm looking forward to hearing what you think about this episode in socials. Take a screenshot, tag me in your posts when you share it with your community so I can see what you thought. And if you are somebody who knows you've got both, I'm here for you. You can book a consult with me and we'll have a conversation about how we can work together so that you become the crystal clear channel that you are meant to be and so that you can help other people do the same. All right, all my love, and I will see you next time.
Well, there you have it. Another episode of Becoming the Channel is in the books. Let me know if you thought this was helpful and inspiring. And if it was, be sure to take a screenshot and share it to social media and then tag me at Dr.RobinMcKay and at Becoming the Channel podcast so I can repost it and say a big thank you for sharing because it really does help support the show and our community. If you loved what you learned today, I'd love it if you'd leave a five-star review on the podcast so that even more people can join us on this journey of ascension. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll chat with you again soon.